Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, yeah, like Sherry said, I was going to say congratulations. Um, <laughs> you've set your clocks correctly. <laughs> so we are on the back stretch of our series in Romans called Unbound. And uh, we have been walking through Romans 6 through 8, uh, ta- looking at and, and understanding how in Christ we have been set free, unbound from everything that had bound us before, sin, law, death, sh- shame, guilt, uh, and we've been set free for a purpose, to, to be used by God through the Spirit to glorify Jesus Christ, to bring glory to Jesus, and to bring his kingdom here on earth. Uh, and, and it's been a while, but I was wondering, do you guys remember back when Jay Leno used to do The Tonight Show and he had this sketch called Jaywalking? It was when he would go out on the street and he would interview people, what, what was seemingly, um, you know, kind of, you'd think, uh, easy questions, and uh, they would uh, usually come up with these ridiculous answers. And there's one time he did this Bible version, which was with the Ten Commandments, and so he just asked if people could remember one commandment. (laughs) And of course, um, the vast majority, this is funny, what the vast majority of people said, and in fact, I'm thinking maybe you guys could even finish the phrase for me. So what the vast majority of people said was, God helps those who... Okay, that's right. You guys have heard this before. God helps those who help themselves. Um, so which one of the Ten Commandments is that again? Right? Is it number 11? Nice <laughs> work, Scott. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but that, that's in the Bible, though, right? Somewhere in Scripture? No? Well, you, you know, it just but it flows off the tongue. You think, shouldn't it be? Um, well, in the words of uh, Mike Moran, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, The truth is, God helps those who cannot help themselves, but who entirely and only trust in the power of the Holy Spirit given through faith in Jesus Christ. See, we are free and only free in the Spirit. And that is exactly what the Apostle Paul is going to show us in Romans 8. Uh, And so I'd like to take a look at that. So um, I want you to open up with me to Romans 8, 1 through 11. Uh, It it is on page 800 of of the Red Bibles, but I want to say something real quick because, and Bill, you might not even need to pass those out. Oh, Bill, you probably don't have to pass those out. (laughs) Bill's like, I've got to turn up my other ear. (laughs) So... Because I usually really enjoy the NIV's translation. This is one of those times where I have actually uh, really liked better how the ESV has decided to translate it. And so hopefully you guys all got that little half sheet. And maybe if you didn't, then you can wave at Bill and Michelle. They'd love to bring up a little half sheet to you. Because uh, that's really the one I want to look at and go through this morning. And so in the last week, um, what we actually did because of the parent-child dedication is we jumped ahead in chapter 8, and we, we jumped to the middle because it was the section on our identity as children of God. And so this morning what we're going to do is go back to the beginning of chapter 8, but I think to do that justice, what we actually have to kind of do is remind ourselves, what did it say in chapter 7? And so in Romans 7, Paul started off with this image, this analogy from marriage. I was thinking maybe one of the best ways that we could kind of figure this out is uh, we could also use an image of driving, and so I'm thinking most of you guys probably drove here this morning, uh, not a lot of walkers. Or <laughs> but, and so when, when we drove here this morning, I'm guessing that none of you guys really had too much of a problem with the speed limits, right? The posted speed limits, uh, you know, we, we probably don't disagree with those, right? Uh, by and large, we probably, we probably agree 
that those speeds are good. And yet, here's the problem. How many of us, even though we believe those speeds, those laws are good, broke, this, broke those laws this morning? Even on our way to the church gathering, for shame on us. <laughs> See, the problem isn't with the law. We agree that the law is good. The problem is with us. It's, it's sin, sin within us. And sometimes the law even provokes the sin nature within our flesh. And so you remember a couple of years ago when that, the stretch from like here to Menominee Falls was still 55, right? And then, you know, back then, I don't think, I would never have dreamed of going 80 in that stretch. But then now that the speed limit has been raised to 70, guess who finds themselves driving a little closer to 80, <laughs> right? It, that's kind of the heart of chapter 7, is, is, is that we agree with the law, that God's, God's law, and we want to do good because that's what we're made for, but sin is right there with us, waging war. And, and Paul says, who will rescue me? <laughs> and the answer, of course, is Jesus. And Paul reveals this tension. I, I want to do good, knowing that evil is going to be there along with me as well, but it doesn't have to define me, and it, and it doesn't have to resist me any longer from choosing to do good because of Christ in me. And, and, and it's all of that that informs and plays into chapter 8 of Romans. And so let's read Romans 8, 1 through 11. We'll read through the whole stretch together. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot for those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Take a breath. <laughs> There's a lot there. And so this is the part where we're going to pause because I want to pray and just ask that the spirit would actually open up our hearts and our minds to, to have that word really be revealed. So let's pray together. Father, I do pray uh, this morning that your Holy Spirit would move in this place. Spirit, I ask that you would open up our hearts to know you more, that you would reveal your word to us, that we could understand uh, the, the incredible depth 
of what we just read, um, and not just what we read, but the truth that it conveys, that we would know the truth of who you are, how you operate, and how your Holy Spirit works in us and through us for our good and for your glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Romans 8, verse 1, is one of the greatest lines probably in all of Scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Jesus Christ, we are set free. We are unbound from being condemned for our sin. That's a big deal. And this verse has almost a legal, almost like a courtroom-like connotation to it where the penalty we deserved was taken by Jesus. He received what we deserved. And then just, this kind of made me think about this, it's this idea of an exchange. Uh, and for me, just after high school, I worked at Cole's Department Store for a stint, and I worked um, right at the pre-Christmas rush. And so before Christmas at Cole's Department Store, it's all bye, bye, bye. And so as a cashier, you're pretty busy, but then after Christmas is done, it slows down quite a bit. And one of the things that you find yourself doing in January a lot is exchanges. And the best kind of exchange um, was when people would have something that was kind of a one-to-one. And so because people were exchanging things that were gifts, that meant they often didn't have receipts for them. Um, And so, you know, like I said, as a cashier, you'd really hope that if if they brought up a pair of jeans that rang up at $20, or they brought a pair back that was $20, that that the ones that they would be exchanging would be $20, because then it was just like click, click, and you're done. And they called that an even exchange. What Paul's talking about is in no way whatsoever an even exchange. Uh, This is more like a schoolyard exchange. This is like trading between school kids, you know, like trading junk for something awesome. I'll give you my broccoli for your Lunchable. (laughs) It's kind of how it works. Uh, All of our sin and all of the condemnation we deserved from it was exchanged for Jesus' righteousness and, and all of his perfection. That through Jesus' work, his death and resurrection, the death we deserved was exchanged for life. Life now and life eternal. And again in verse 2, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of life. And he sets us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And some of the key words in this whole section of scripture are found in verse 3. So if you look at verse 3 again, those words in verse 3 that I think are so key to this section are God has done. Those three words, God has done, are a pretty big deal. Our passage doesn't once actually tell us to do anything. Uh, there's no exhortation, no command. Uh, this, this passage is entirely descriptive, not prescriptive. Uh, that means there is nothing in here that even hints at the saying, God helps those who helps the, help themselves. But it entirely says, God helps those who cannot, who are utterly incapable of helping themselves. He did it. He did it all. God has done. And what has he done? Uh, this, is, this is what I think the text shows us. He sent his son as an offering for our sin. He condemned sin in Jesus. He sets us free. He has set us free 
by his spirit. He gave his spirit to dwell in us and he gives us life. And this passage hits on all three aspects of salvation. We have past, present, and future. And so we have been saved from the penalty of sin. We see that in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. We are being saved from the power of sin. We saw that in verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh. And then we are being saved from the presence of sin. We will be saved from that. In verse 11, it says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will also give life to your mortal bodies. Not just now, but ultimately, one day, eternally. And so this passage is all about what he has done and how he has and is and will be saving us. Justification sanctification, glorification. We have been justified, made right with God in order that we can be sanctified now, righteously walk in the Spirit. And so looking forward to one day being glorified, made pure in the presence of God. All right, so like I said, um, this is a deep passage and it is entirely descriptive and not prescriptive. It tells us what God has done and who we are because of what he has done. And the reason that's so important is because out of our being comes our doing. Who we are leads to what we do. And, and while, that there, while there's no prescriptive exhortation, no teaching on what we're supposed to do uh, specifically in this text, throughout the other parts of Romans, Paul does tell us what we are supposed to do as followers of Jesus. And that's kind of where I want to draw some of our application that then from what we see with our text that we just read. So our series is called Unbound. And it's called that because there of all the times and places that Paul shows us in Romans 6 through 8 how we are set free. And if there's one unifying theme in our text this morning, it's the theme of the Holy Spirit. Before in Romans, like Paul has kind of talked about the Holy Spirit here and there, but all of a sudden, in the beginning of chapter 8, it's like he can't stop talking about him. Eleven times in eleven verses, he talks about the Holy Spirit, showing us how we are free in the Spirit. And so I think to be free in the Spirit, this is what I want to look at for our application. We need to receive the Spirit, we need to listen to the Spirit, and we need to walk in the Spirit. We need to receive the Spirit, we need to listen to the Spirit, and we need to walk in the Spirit. And we started off this morning by recognizing that truth, that God helps those who cannot help themselves, but who entirely and only trust in the power of the Holy Spirit given through faith in Jesus Christ. And so in order to be free in the Spirit, we need to receive the Spirit. Uh, Verse 9 said that anyone who does not have the Spirit doesn't belong to Christ. And later in chapter 8, like we saw last week, those who are led by the Spirit are called sons of God. And so how do we know if we are and how do we become sons and daughters of God? How do we receive the Holy Spirit? I think Ephesians, Ephesians 1 says this absolutely perfectly. This is what Paul says. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, 
the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Believing that Jesus is Lord is what causes us to be in Christ and leads to us being marked with the Holy Spirit and sealed with the Holy Spirit. And later in chapter 10 of Romans, Paul, Paul tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved and will be freed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And maybe this is something that you've never heard before. Or maybe this is a reminder. Or maybe this is just a good self-check. Uh, and if it sounds too basic, it really is not. Uh, and I was thinking maybe the best way that I could uh, explain this or describe this a little bit more is with a troubleshooting flow chart. So check this out. Is that a little complicated to you? <laughs> right? Uh, it, that's because it is complicated. Um, this, is, this is actually the troubleshooting flow chart for my furnace. Uh, and this is very real in my life right now. Uh, because this winter, almost all winter long, my furnace had been giving me grief. Um, and it would just stop working. And I'd, I'd have to wake up in the middle of the night to reset it several times. We uh, put out space heaters all night and had to leave the kids' doors open just to keep their rooms warm. Um, I tried little fixes here and there to solve the problem. In the end, Steve Galeski had to come over to my house and lend some expert um, advice, and, and he helped me figure out that it was a bad circuit board. And believe it or not, uh, this flowchart was part of what helped us figure this out. Well, in our relationship with God and the Holy Spirit, uh, the troubleshooting flowchart is nowhere near this complicated. Uh, I think it kind of simply looks like this. Do you have the Spirit? Yes? Go to step two. No? Believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. Go to step two. That's how simple I believe it is. Have you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because scripture tells us that that's what it's about. Not believing, it's not believing that God helps those who help themselves, but it's admitting and confessing that God helps those who cannot help themselves, who are utterly incapable, who only and entirely trust in the power of the Holy Spirit through faith and belief in Jesus Christ. The interesting thing about my furnace was um, that I kept trying to do little fixes here and there, uh, draining the water line, cleaning out the hoses and the reservoir. I, I changed out the pressure switch. Didn't do it. It needed a new circuit board. It needed a new brain. It needed a new mind. Romans 12 Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are reborn and given a new mind. Because our old one was broken. <laughs> and like our passage in Romans 8 said, in Christ we're given the mindset of the Spirit. And, and Paul says, renew your mind and be transformed because then, then we'll be able to do what? To test and approve what his will is. And that's part of the second part of, of hearing uh, and, and being free in the Spirit is that we need to listen to the Spirit. And why is that important? Well, because after the Holy Spirit 
indwells us and seals us, he reminds us and convicts us and teaches us and guides us. This is what Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit in John 14 and 16. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. His role is to continue to lead us, but that means we need to be listening. And with what Paul said throughout Romans, it definitely seems like we can choose not to listen to the Holy Spirit. We can listen to our flesh. That followers of Jesus can still choose to follow the wrong voice. Sometimes we can even make ourselves believe that we're listening to God's voice. When I was in youth ministry, we used to take the kids to camp every year, every summer. And um, camp has a strict no technology policy. And so right as we were pulling into camp, we'd have the kids pass forward all their cell phones and MP3 players and, and whatever else, uh, and we'd store those in the van all week. And by, and by that evening, it, it was just like there was so much complaining. There was so much grumbling. There were so many reasons why they had to have them. But it was non-negotiable. And so on that on the first evening, the kids would start, you just hear them talking about wondering how many texts have they missed so far. And it was like life-changing. It was devastating. <laughs> but by Tuesday night, you'd hear them say things like, wow, I haven't thought about my phone all day. And by Friday night's campfire, you'd hear, the, you'd hear them say things like, I don't know what it is about camp. I just hear God so much clearer when I'm here. Hearing the Holy Spirit requires that we listen and that we turn off a lot of the noise in our lives that's drowning him out. In First Thessalonians, Paul shows us some great ways uh, to make sure that we're listening to the Spirit and that we're not quenching his voice. Uh, he says this, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Listening to and hearing and following the Holy Spirit's voice requires a change in our mind, focusing on the things of the Spirit, praying regularly, being in God's Word daily. And not, not just listening to the Spirit, but also following His lead, obeying. To me, I think that's what it means when he says, don't, don't put out the Spirit's fire. It's when He speaks, and we need to listen. Because at some point, if we stop listening when He speaks, we're, we're, we're going to be turning off that voice. We're going to be ceasing to even hear it at some point. And that passage in 1 Thessalonians goes on to say, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Being free in Jesus, lastly, means uh, we need to walk in the spirit. In our, in our Romans 8 passage in verse 4, 
uh, it said that the whole point of Jesus taking our condemnation was that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. That, that having been justified, we would now be able to walk in the Spirit, being pleasing God because of His work in us and through us. Friday morning, Sharice uh, and I were up in our bedroom and, and I was getting ready to head out uh, for work that day and, and Noah, my two-year-old, uh, came in and, and he was so upset about something and poor little guy, his, his sin nature has just been really, really displaying itself lately, giving me a lot of good sermon illustrations. Uh, <laughs> and Sharice and I were talking about this later, like just how upset he was uh, and Sharice had said his face, his face looked just like this. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> and he was looking for something and he couldn't find it. And he was so mad. And in all of his anger, all of a sudden he said something that we've never heard him say before. He goes, Piece of dang it. And we're like, oh, Did he just say? <laughs> and so we talked with him about that, right? And then. And then I had an inner conversation with myself and Sharice that says, I, I probably, when things aren't working for me, I should probably stop calling them a piece of junk. And then, you know, and, and I probably should stop saying the other word too when I'm changing Ella's diaper and her poop is going everywhere. Um, <laughs> those are tense moments, okay? <laughs> but the truly funny thing a- about this is what Noah was looking for. He was looking for a stuffed animal. And I brought it with me this morning because this, this stuffed animal, when, when, you, when you push on its stomach, this is what it does. And if you remember the song, it goes on to say, Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. And and the irony is that my son was looking for the message of Jesus and admits that he still falls into his flesh, into his sin nature. And it is the same irony with us that while seeking Jesus, while trying to walk in the Spirit, while trying to be sanctified, uh, we can start to listen and to walk in the flesh. We can, we can still make choices and actions out of our sinful nature. Yet the Spirit's desire is that we would be sanctified through and through in order that we'd walk in the newness of life and that we'd be freed and that we would be free to be able to serve and please God through righteousness, not from ourselves, but a righteousness that flows through us because of the Spirit of Christ in us. And, and all of this can't be done by our strength, our power, or our will. It can only be done by God. Verse 3 reminded us, this is all about what God has done. We can't help ourselves out of condemnation. We can't help ourselves to be able to fulfill the law. We can't help ourselves to be able to live according to the Spirit. God helps those who cannot help themselves, but who entirely and only trust in the power of the Holy Spirit through belief and faith 
in Jesus Christ. This is all about what God has done in us and through us and for us. We are indeed free and only free in the Spirit. And so we need to be asking, have we received him? Are we listening to him? And are we walking with him? Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, be able uh, to praise you because of Jesus. Uh, To have relationship with you because of the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that you have given me and us who have put our faith in Jesus, who have have believed in who he is and what he has done, that we can praise you. Father, uh, I, I do pray that for any, for all of us who are at any stage uh, along that journey with you, uh, that you would be speaking into our hearts. We know that it is only you who can even begin that conversation in us. And so as we feel you pulling on our hearts, Father, I ask that if we haven't believed in Jesus and received the Spirit, that you would enable us that you would give us the faith because we know faith itself is even from you. And so we ask that you would give us the faith to believe in Jesus and receive the Spirit. We ask that you would give us the ability to to put down our flesh, to, to let it die, to put it to death so that we can hear the Holy Spirit speaking in our lives. And we ask that you would continue to sanctify us. If we've never asked that before, Jesus, I ask that you would hear that prayer and that you would sanctify us so that we can walk walk with the spirit and that we would be bringing the kingdom not because of us but because of Christ in us and I thank you for just the opportunity for us to gather to worship to praise your name to uh, to glorify you through friendship and relationship and time before the gathering and after the gathering all of it father is for your glory We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.